Welcome to the Dream Centre Manchester, where we trust the ministry of Pastor Tony Higginson and the team will challenge and inspire you to become the move and be the demonstration. We warmly invite you each Sunday morning to join us for our family service, but for more information or to subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at thedreamcentre.co.uk. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians 13. We are continuing with needs versus lack. This has been a very powerful series, need versus lack. And I can't fill all the gaps in because this is week six. So you'd have to go on the podcast to catch up to where we are. We've said a lot of things and give you a lot of insights. So 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, starting, finally, brothers, goodbye. (laughs) What a way, finally, goodbye. Aim for perfection. Listen to my appeal. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. And all the saints send their greeting. And then he kicks in with a stinger. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with you. If you read that same verse from the message, it sounds very different. But it gives you a sense of why Paul was writing. With Christ as my witness, he says, it's a point of honour with me. And I'm not going to keep it quiet just to protect you from the neighbours, from what the neighbours will think. It's not that I don't love you. God knows I do. I'm just trying to keep things open and honest between us. They're a sorry bunch. Pseudo-apostles, lying preachers, crooked workers, posing as Christ agents, but a sham to the core. Wow. So you can see that Paul is addressing this group of people because there is severe lack inside of the church. And very often, when you see those kind of absences inside the lives of God's people, it causes you to write and it causes you to say things in a very different way. In order to arrest people, to bring them to the point of showing them that they actually lack certain things. What you think you need is not necessarily what you lack. And in this text, Paul sees there is distinct spiritual behavior. And that's why Paul had to write to them in order to address it. He knew so much about behavior, Paul. He knew so much about it. He knew full well that behavior comes directly as a result of our perception of our human needs. Your behavior is a direct result of your perception of your needs. Then your behavior moves towards trying to get those needs met based on your perception. Yeah? Spiritual needs, physical needs, we do an awful, our behavior is reflective of our perception. We go to places, we do things, we have chats. We drink from this well, we drink from that well because we think by doing that it's going to fulfill our need. 
And you drink from too many wells, you read too, the wrong kind of books, you listen to the wrong kind of people, blah, 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 blah. And yet you still don't have your needs met. But you think your actions will meet your needs. And there's a problem. You know, psychologists, how many of you know, we, psychologists can be good people to have around. They can help a lot of people. But psychologists often come up with, with a phrase called need-met behavior. Did you know that? Psychologists have to deal with need-met behavior. You see, when you have the wrong perception of your needs, you can get yourself in a right mess. And when you get yourself in the right mess, you then go and get professional help. So some of that help that the psychologists help people with, they help them face their need-met behavior. Because some people's need-met behavior creates all kind of psychological, emotional dysfunctions. And internally, they're driven in a certain way because they're obsessed about having these needs met. And the psychologist has to deal with it. But as good as psychologists can be, and as helpful as they can be, they can only go so far. The problem's internal. And my Bible tells me that all these helps are good, but there is a help above all helps. There's a word that goes deeper. It penetrates. It, it joins. It, sort of, it divides joint spirit and soul. It goes to joint and marrow. Man. No psychologist can do that. Go to joint and marrow. It can go beyond your brain cells. It can restore brain cells. This word is living and it's active. So there is, for every lack that is in you, there is a need for the word. Now, I say this. Sometimes you don't need the word to fix what's the problem in you. You just need to think differently. Because not every problem is fixed by the word, but the, prob- but the word can fix every problem. Hello? I don't need the word to, to have a conscience that I need to go to work. But if I don't go to work, I might need the word to give me a conscience. Can you see that? If I don't supply for my family and expect somebody else to do it, I'm going to be in trouble. I better find a way of providing my, for my needs, as I, for the needs of my family. That's my responsibility. I didn't need someone to come and bring me chapter and verse. But if I'm, do, if I'm not doing it, I might need somebody to help me. So, there's the point. So, we need spiritual intelligence. I've been talking to the ADT students this week about spiritual intelligence. Everybody needs intelligence, and everybody needs spiritual intelligence. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. And it teaches us to say yes to righteousness. Amen? It empowers us with wisdom. Spiritual intelligence teaches us, it instructs us how to think and how to behave and how to perceive. How to think like God thinks, because we've been given the mind of Christ. So I've been given the mind of Christ, I need, God expects me to think like Christ. So he tells me what to think on, he tells me how to think. I need wisdom and revelation and understanding, so I can understand the principle as the principle was originally intended to be. Yes? So we know psychology can do a lot of people a lot of good, but it also can do people a lot of harm. How many of you know that? Hello? 
How many of you know that when the Bible says it's, it, it, he who the Son sets free, go on, finish the verse off. It's free indeed. Right. So even though liberation brought us freedom, freedom now needs responsibility with principles. So you've been liberated, but if you don't live by principles, your freedom will turn into captivity very easy. Or your captivity will turn into bondage. So you've been freed, right. But now you've got to learn the principles of freedom and how to keep yourself in freedom. We need the Son of God. Well, I need the Son of God. You need the Son of God in ways that I never could imagine. I don't only need the Son of God for salvation. I need the Son of God for life and godliness. Yes? So, let's go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And this is a verse that all of you have read, and you will no doubt say, well, this is, this is it. This is all I need to know. This is the verse when you're talking about needs and lack. This is all I need. And it says here in verse 19 of Philippians chapter 4, my God shall supply all my needs. Okay. According to his riches. God will supply all my needs according to his riches. Everybody believe that? Are you sure? Are you convinced? It's not an error? It's not the Quran you're reading? It's the Bible. Right, it's in there. It's God's word. So God will meet my, my every need. So why do you have needs? Why hasn't he met your every need? Oh, no, no, I asked you the question. You've got to answer it. <laughs> hey, come on. If God will meet my every need, how come your, needs, your every need has not been met? Well, I'm going to tell you this morning. Philippians 4.19. My God will meet my needs. Which means God can only supply according to his own value system. God can only supply according to his own value system. Now, when we read that verse there... God will meet all my needs according to his riches in glory. Does your Bible say in glory? Okay, let me tell you what glory means. It means his relational presence. The glory means according to his need, all his riches in glory. Glory is relational presence. That's where we see his glory. That's where we capture it. Through relationship and relational presence. This morning we had relational presence. Well, some did. The needs and the lack found in your life are only ever going to be met through relational presence. You've got to have a relationship first with Jesus for him in order for all your needs to be met. You have to have a relationship. It's not a verse anyone can claim. Relational, ongoing presence. So Paul prayed three distinct things. The love of God. I pray that you'll you know the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and the, sorry, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I want you to hold these three things because these are key to your need and lack. 
The grace of uh, the, the love of God being allowed to permeate its way, remember, through relational presence, it brings you into a more relational, intimate understanding of God's mind and God's ways and God's value system. You need to understand, if God is going to supply, you need to understand how God thinks and works and speaks. So that you're, that, that you're always in the right queue when supply is being given. Yes? So the question is, he'll meet all my needs, but why have you still got needs then? Good question. The next thing Paul prays is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. As the grace gives, see, this grace gives you access. Without the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, you have no access into and beyond the veil. I'm going to show you about grace in a minute. This grace, most people only ever talk about grace, the grace I need to be saved. And we all know about saving grace. Yes? But there's a grace beyond salvation that you must have access to. And if you don't understand this grace, this is going to be one of the reasons why you are always going to suffer with lack. Because this grace empowers us. Yes? It empowers us. And so many believers do not talk about grace beyond being saved. So then he says the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, you'll never know why you need grace. Without the Holy Spirit, you'll never know the mind of, God, of Christ. Without the Holy Spirit, you'll never know the will of the Father. Without the Holy Spirit, why? Because he brings the conscious thoughts of God to you. You need more of the Holy Spirit than you've ever thought. You need more of the grace of God than you ever considered. And you need a deeper revelation of the love of God for your life. Yeah. These are three areas of lack. But you don't see them as lack. You, when, you when you think of needs, you think of other kind of things that could potentially build up that concept of need. Money, kids, clothing, holiday, car, all those things. But these are lacks. When you lack the depth of love of God, when you, when you lack the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, when you lack the grace of God, you are limiting yourself to the access for God to supply your needs. You can't just say, well, God will supply all my needs. And because it's one verse, it's going to happen. Because you're the living proof it hasn't. And I'm a living proof it hasn't. So we need to know why. So let's go to Matthew 6.25. And this was the start of our conversation about this whole subject of need versus lack. Matthew 6. Now you know I'm setting you up now, don't you? Therefore, verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. But we do. Don't worry about what you will eat. But we shop and we eat until we are overweight and unhealthy. Oh, gone quiet now. Do not worry about what you will drink or about your body. Why wouldn't you worry about your body? Well, I've got to get concerned and worry are two different things. Some people are not concerned about the body until it gets sick. Don't worry about what you will eat, what you'll drink, or about your body. Do you know, we inject 
vanity into our subconscious every day. Of course we do. So much of what we do to ourselves is because we want to appear a certain way in front of others. Well, you know I'm right just there. Don't worry about what you will wear, but often we do. Don't worry about, he said, because is not life more important than food? And the body more important than clothes? Now, let me ask you a question, church. Do we need clothes? Because we'd all be even more colder if we didn't have clothes this morning. Do we need food? Of course we do. Do we need a place to live? Of course we do. Needs will always be part of your life. Needs will always be a part of your life. So why, do, why should you think God should supply all your needs? Because some of your needs are your perception of your needs. Why would God just give you everything you wanted? Is he Father Christmas? Does Father Christmas bring you everything you wanted? No. no. On your birthday, do you get everything you wanted? No. So why in Christ do you think you're going to get everything you want? The one who wrote it has a perception of your needs. And he'll meet your needs according to his riches in Christ. So he's already seen the beginning from the end. He already knows what you need. And he's already got the resources for it. But it's not what you perceive you need. It's according to his riches and his perception of your needs, not yours. So God can't meet your every need he meets your need according to his riches he's the storehouse keeper amen we've not finished yet now can you can I ask you a simple question can I ask you to be honest with your Christianity this morning I can't hear you how many of you have been asking but have not been receiving Thank you for the honest ones. No, I get everything I've asked for. Well, aren't you spoiled? If we're honest with ourselves, there's an awful lot of stuff we've been asking and we haven't been receiving. I know every one of us can say yes to that. It's true. Well, let's find out the reasons why, shall we? Are you ready for a journey? Go to the book of James. Go to the book of James. I'm going to show you why you don't get everything you ask. James chapter 4 verse 1. And he starts with this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires... That battle within you. What causes fights and quarrels? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and cover, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. 
When you ask, you do not receive. Because you ask with wrong... Come on, let's just all read that verse. You ask with wrong... You ask with... Does your Bible translation say the word motives? Does everybody's Bible say motives? What does what does it say in yours? A miss, okay. You ask a miss, same thing. David, you need to get a decent Bible, mate. <laughs> what do you read, David? Is it King James? King James. The King Jimmy one. David rings the King Jimmy one. I read the uh, nearly infallible version, NIV. Because you ask with wrong motives or you ask amiss. Can everybody see this? That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Oh. You adulterous people. He's not talking to you, is he? You're just the reader. Ah, that's where you go wrong. He is talking to you, the one who reads it. He's talking to you. Ah, it's being read to me. Yeah, right, okay. You adulterous people, don't you have, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely but he gives us more grace but he gives us more grace not just saving grace he gives us more grace because we need more grace to go beyond what we've received and he gives us more grace that is why scripture says God opposes the, the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come near to God and he'll come near to you. I think we've just been exposed, church, as to why some of our needs and not being met. And it starts with what causes fights and quarrels within you. Mm. What causes fights and quarrels among you? And what causes fights and quarrels within you? What causes, let me ask the question, in regards to needs and lack, what causes the quarrels inside your house? Whose perception is the loudest in your family? Mm. So he who shouts loudest, or he, she who shouts loudest, their perception can often become the result. But guess what? Quarrels break out over needs. Human needs, physical needs, emotional needs. Quarrels among you break out 
Because of your perception of what you think your need is. Well, I don't think. Well, I do. So whose perception is going to win? Well, the one who shouts. The one who's got the dominant personality. So the quarrel and the argument, all of a sudden, is the wrong foundation straight away for any need to be met. Because now it's personality driven. And perception driven. And when you get a personality with a perception, wow, it's like a big hammer with a big nail. Or a small nail, I should say. Now when you have need, and you have lack, and that personality with that perception, it creates tension. It, or we'll use another word, shall we? A holy ruckus. So what causes fights and quarrels among you? That's the first question you've got to ask yourself this morning in regards to your needs and lack. What causes the quarrels among you? Oy. <laughs> Question number two. Don't your arguments and your quarrels come from your perception? Is that not true? Don't your arguments and your quarrels come from your perception? Have you noticed you never argue what you agree on? You only argue what you don't agree on and what you don't see and the other person sees. So whose perspective are you going to align your argument to? Come on. You can't just say, I will agree with him to keep the peace. That's not right. That's not fair. Though I understand that's what happens in many marriages or any workplaces. Life should be established on principles. But whose principles? Why don't we just say, well, let's go to the Word and see what it says? Notice I said to the Word and not the pastor. Not on Facebook. And don't ask Mr. Google. Yeah. Uncle Google is no good. Ask the word, ask the Lord. Lord, show us the scripture, the principle behind. And don't go to a verse to establish a principle. Go to scriptures. The scripture is never, ever, will never stand on one verse. That's why it says in the mouth of two and three witnesses. Everything has to be established on principles and witnesses. Witnesses is a principle in itself. Two or three. That's why it says, take two with you. Because one is no good. You can always argue, I didn't say that. But with two of you, you can say, we heard. So what did they do in John? That which we saw, that which we heard. Now there's a testimony in the mouth of two and three witnesses. So don't get your, don't get your famous verse out and throw that at your wife. Throw the book at him instead. Not just a verse. You come at me with a verse. I'll come at you with a word. Or her. Or her. Yeah. <laughs> Marriage counselling needed over here. I think. Aisle three. Stewards. Stewards. Marriage counselling. Aisle two. Third one in. <laughs> you want something but you don't get it. And as a result you find ways of getting what you want. 
You want something but you don't get it. And as a result you find ways of getting what you want. Dun, 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 dun. But the trouble is. With getting what you want in the ways you want it. You often go about it unscripturally. And unrighteously. Your need and justifying those needs, the way you do, the things you do and the things you say and the way you go about it, does not justify it. Because you've got your, your need, not our needs. You know, right is, wrong, right is right, despite no one doing it. And wrong is wrong, despite everyone doing it. There's a right way and a wrong way. And there's only right. Righteousness is just right. You do it right, it's righteous, according to God's word. Amen? Righteousness doesn't have to be popular. It just has to be right and righteous. Yes? So you, don't, you want something, but you don't get it. And as a result, you find ways of getting what you don't have. But then you do it unscripturally and you do it humanistically and carnally. These could be some of the reasons behind why you still have lack. And it starts with a fight. It starts with a quarrel. You quarrel and fight. You don't have because you don't ask God. Your boss is not God. God is not your boss. God is your father. Hello? I work for my father. Jesus said, I, I'm about my father's business. He's your father. He's not your boss. The relationship is father and son. Not employee, employer and employee. Amen. I can work for my father, but he's not my boss. I don't see God as a boss. I see God as a father. He's more than a boss. He's a father. Amen. When you speak to God about what you don't have, he will often shine his light in the area that you lack. You want him to fulfill your needs, but he'll show you your lack. And as we've seen in other series, lack is very different from need. And many of us lack. So here's my strap line. Don't let your lack delay God from releasing your needs. Don't let your lack be the reason why your needs are delayed. Your lack will always prevent your need. That's not what the world teaches. But that's according to scripture. Your lack will always be your downfall. Not your need. God can supply to your need. But God has to minister and deal with you in the area of lack. Yes? You ask the wrong motives, it tells us. You ask with the wrong motives. There's another reason why we lack. Because we ask for things with the wrong motives. We don't necessarily think with God in mind. Sometimes we think with our individualism in mind. See, if I pray for God, God, build your church. But in the, in the background of that phrase and that prayer, there is this pride that says, I want to be known as a pastor what's got a big church in Manchester. Do you think God will add? 
God knows your heart. God exposes your heart, but the trouble is you don't always know when you're being exposed. And if you stand in the light, as he is in the light, we are fellowship. And when we are fellowship, he scans us. And when he scans us, this is why we need the fellowship of the Holy Ghost. Because when we step into the Holy Ghost, he scans our hearts. And everything is laid before him. Yes, everything is laid before him. And we give an account. And as soon as we see it, we say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for, I hid that in the background. And as soon as God deals with that pride or whatever it is, that secret sin, whatever it is, God then can come in and supply the need. Because you let him go in the area of your lack. Another thing that James points out, when you ask, you do so that you may spend what God gives you on pleasure. On pleasure. Wow. Now there are good, now now listen, at the right hand of God, watch, at the right hand of God, there are pleasures forevermore. Now what kind of pleasures are they? Righteous, holy pleasures. But you and I don't always ask for righteous, holy pleasures. We want self-indulgent pleasures. Now, there's nothing wrong with asking God for a need of a car. If you need a car, you need a car. If you need a house, you need a house. There's nothing wrong with asking God to supply those kind of needs. But guess what? You might have to go to work. And God will supply a good job with a good salary that will enable you to pay for these things. Amen? These are good pleasures to have. There's nothing wrong with a car and a house. Right? Depending on the need of your life, you may need more expensive things. You may need more extravagant things in the eyes of some. But they're not extravagant according to the need. Yes? And only God knows what that true need is. Now here's the, then God comes with a very serious word. When he says you ask for your pleasures, he then comes in with a killer line. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Friendship with the world. We have to be very careful, folks. If we're asking God to supply the same needs that the world wants, for the same reasons the world wants... A house is common to everyone. A house is not spiritual or unspiritual. You make it that way. Yeah? Your car is just a car. The money in your pocket, it's not righteous or unrighteous. You may have got it an unrighteous way, but you know money's just money. It's just the money. That credit card, it says NatWest and Bank of Scotland. Does it say demonic Bank of Scotland? Does it say deceptive Bank of Scotland? Does it say... Nat West, of course he does. Why? How it's used. I am a steward of what's in my bank. Carol's the spender. I'm just a steward. She says, you can hold the card. So I get to hold the card, but she holds the resources. (laughs) So the point is, Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? 
Maybe some of the reasons why you don't get what you want is because you're becoming too friendly with the world. Just maybe. Well, they've got it. Why can't I have it? That's not, it's the wrong question. Why? Because you're my son. You're my daughter. Did you ask your mother and father to work based on that? They said, just because they've got it, doesn't say, we're going to have it. Mother and father has a different value system. God responds according to his value system. Not your perception of your needs. Yeah? But then he says this. And I want you to really get this in your heart because this is what you need. If you're going to get to the next level, all these things we're saying are all very, very distinct and clear. But they said, but then you need more grace. More grace is given. More, why is more grace given? Because it's needed. But what's it needed for? Ah, right, I'm glad you asked. Now let's go into the scripture and find out. You need to open your Bible and find out why God wants you to have more grace. Because it's a key to your lack and need. You're saved. I've got the grace of God. It's his unmerited favor. Grow up and mature. We moved on. That's called foundation. But there's more grace for you to have. And you need to understand the reasons why more grace is needed. Because it's critical to your advancement. So grace is, uh, it gives us more grace. Grace is the access point to heaven. Grace is the access point to heaven, and it's the access point to you receiving what you lack. Paul had many needs, but the grace of God was given to him to overcome his lack and his need. And then he says this, resist, submit to God, resist the devil, And he will flee from you. You want God to supply your needs when you're not submitted to God. Why would God put all that you want in your hand when you're not submitted? That's dangerous. Ah, It sounds like a clause that God's trying to get out. No, God is not an American company or an insurance company trying to get out of its obligations. God is very clear about his terms and conditions. He tells us, seek first the kingdom and its righteousness and all these things. He tells us, don't worry about what to wear, what to eat, what to drink, because that's how the pagans live. That's not my pattern for you. He's been very clear with the terms and conditions. Very, very clear with the T's and C's. God's the only God I know that he doesn't reduce the terms and conditions scriptures to small print in your Bible. You can get a large print terms and conditions Bible. It's called Genesis to the book of Revelation. Every scripture, every verse is layered with T's and C's and promises. Is it not? Because he wants you to know. That's why he says, when you get home, teach it to your children. Impress it upon them. Tie it around the neck. Tie it on the doorpost. Teach them to your children. I want the families to know my terms, conditions, and my promises. He didn't say hide it. And then they say, and we will make it known to the next generation. Ooh. 
You see, this is a very different message to just name it and claim it. And God, and just sow a seed and God will give you everything. I'm sorry, no. That doesn't help anyone, only the man who's gathering the money. Submit yourselves then to God. Do you want to know the first principle of spiritual warfare? You ready? It's very simple. You think, well, I'm going to be a powerful intercessor. I've got to be able to sow the word in the spirit. I've got to get a prophetic word. and blah. All those things are true. Submit yourself to God. If you are not submitted to God, spiritual warfare will kill you. It will kill you. You have to submit to God because you have to show the devil that you are a man under authority. You are a woman under authority. That you can work by the chain of command. When you can show God that you are a man under authority. That's why he says to Job, he said to the devil, he said, I know Job will be under me. I know Job will walk under the, the command, chain of command. I know Paul will. I know all my boys will. Why? Because that word you've given me, Father, I've given to them. I know what's in them. I've worked with them. I've been with them. I've seen them. I know what's in these boys. And I'm praying for them. I'm not just praying for them. I'm praying for the ones who's going to come after them. Why? Because I know what's in this group. Because I put it in myself. Jesus, the best man manager, the best developer of people. Submit yourself to God first. Folks, if you're not submitted to God first, then why would you think all the other things will be added? Then the next part of spiritual warfare is resist the devil. That's just standing firm. And the third part of spiritual warfare, he'll run. He runs when he knows there's a, there's a man who can stand firm, stand firm and a woman who can stand firm, but a man and a woman who's submitted to God. He can never penetrate a man and woman who's, who's submitted to God. You fight and you argue and you quarrel. You fight with yourself. You argue with yourself. The word comes and you fight against the word that comes. Someone speaks the word and you quarrel with the people who speak the word. And there is tension and turmoil and fighting within you. So you ask wrong. And you try to claim a, quote a scripture. You can quote anything you want, but you cannot bypass principles. Your knowledge of the scriptures may be better than mine. Wonderful. Well, then use your knowledge to understand principles. Not debate and fight arguments. See, I don't have to prove this word. The Holy Spirit does. I just have to stand on it. Yes? I'm sure a lot more needs would be met in the church if we could get rid of quarrels and arguments inside us. Not my will, Lord, but your will be done. That doesn't sound like an argument. That sounds like a submission. Nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. There he was, submitted. Jesus went into the wilderness and came out in the power. Many of you come into church, but don't leave empowered. So let's go to 2 Corinthians, and we're, coming, we're bringing this thing to an end. I've got a lot more, but I can't go through it this morning. And it's cold in here, I know. Thank you for listening to me in a cold building. (laughs) 
2 Corinthians 12, 7. This is where we were last week. To keep me from being conceited. Is there any conceited people in here? Didn't think so. Because of these surpassing great revelations. And we looked at last week and we said that word surpassing means great revelation, exceptional, extraordinary, outstanding, striking, rare, great, supreme, incomparable, unsurpassed and matchless. So when God's speaking to you with that dimension, you better have a humble heart. You better have a humble heart. And he says this, because of these surpassing great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Your thorn in the flesh is not your wife or your husband. It, to Paul, it was a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, Lord, I have a need. Take it away from me. I need you to take this away from me. But what does God say? Son, from the abundance of my riches, I'll meet your need according to my riches. And I have the way of meeting your need and your lack. You want me to take this away, but this is going to reveal more to me. This is going to reveal more of me to you in the midst of your need and lack. Now hold on to this because it's so important. Because in the midst of your need and lack, God's glory has to be revealed. And none of us want this, tr this path. But this is the path that God chooses for all of us. There's a period in your life where there seems to be a thorn in the flesh. And it brings you, if you don't deal with it, it will either bring you to the point of ruin or it will bring you to the point of breakthrough. And when you come to the point of breakthrough, you go to the next level because you, you discover more grace to get through it. If I buckle every battle, then I never enter into more grace. But if I stand firm in every battle and go to the next level, then I tapped into the more grace. We, our first answer is, Lord, take this away from me. That's the human side. That's natural. Lord, how can I serve you with this? And God says, actually, I think you're going to serve me just fine. Because I know that this is going to be the doorway to, for me to reveal my glory and my ways and my word to you in a way that if I took this away, I could never speak to you. We don't want that. It's called the way of the cross. It's called picking up your cross. It's called putting down your nets. What do you think that means to put down your nets and pick up your cross? We'll come to ADT and we'll tell you. <coughs> It's not what you think it is. For my power, he said this, he said, for there was a given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Torment me. In other words, it's on me day and night. Three times I pleaded. I think I may have pleaded a bit more than three times. His battle was internal. But he said to me, who said to him? Who said to him? Why did the Lord say to him? Why? Because Paul had discovered the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and the grace 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the midst of his battle, in the midst of his thorn in the flesh, he had those three things operating in his life. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Whose weakness? Yours. That's your lack. So that Christ's power, John, whose power? power. May rest on? Me. Ah. So Christ's power may rest on you. So there will be a thorn in your flesh in seasons of your life. And it will come so that Christ's power may rest on him. But he's got weakness. He's got lack. But now he's got a landing strip for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the love of God to land on his runway. Nobody wants weakness. But we've all got it. But if we get the grace of God in that area, it can turn our perception around. It can turn our perception around. If every day of your Christian life is, Lord, 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 take it away from me, you will start thinking God no longer loves you. And you will think God is your tormentor. And not the enemy. Come on, be honest with yourself. You will say, he's your tormentor. God, you're supposed to be my deliverer. Why are you torturing me? Jesus said, Jesus could have had the same argument with his father. But nonetheless, Lord, not my will, but yours. God has to do something in us all, folks, to get to that point. Instead of, yeah, can I suggest something really radical to us this morning? And it is radical because it affects every one of us. Instead of us moaning, why don't we get on, on our knees and say, Father, do it. Do it. If this is my weakness, then Lord, let my heart become the landing strip for the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit to land. Because I need that. That's what I need. Because that's going to fix my lack. In the area. Wow. Wow. And then he says this. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly. About my weakness. So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weakness, insults, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak. Oh, sorry, I didn't hear you. When I'm weak then. Say it so you believe it. Who wants to be strong? Me. Right, then you need to become weak. And you need to embrace your weakness and see that lack is not your enemy all the time, but it's the grace, more grace that comes to me that ministers to me in my lack. God does not ignore that lack. He actually 
blesses it and covers it and deals with it through more grace. And all the time we just want God to meet our needs. But if we can get the grace, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit in the area of the real lack in the weakness and we can become a landing pad for God, then I'll become strong. I can have all my needs met and still be weak. But when grace comes into the area of my weakness, then I'm strong. Can you see the difference? So what do you want? Do you want all your needs met or do you want to become strong in your weakness? Now you've got to wrestle now with your head and your heart, haven't you? Strong in your weakness, folks. That's the only place to be. I know you don't want that. You're saying it, but you don't want it. Whenever grace is released, whenever grace is received, whenever grace is retained, lack is eliminated. Whenever grace is received, John, whenever. So you, you believe you can have more grace today yes. so you can receive it. Whenever grace <coughs> is released, how many of you believe, Helen, do you believe there's a greater measure of grace for you today? Do you believe that? So if, if it's been released, you can receive it. Now the issue is, will you retain, David, what's been released and been received? The issue, folks, is in the retaining. If you can't retain what's been released and received, you'll always have the lack. So let's stand to our feet. You know, I've enjoyed speaking this message so much. It's been a genuine revelation to my spirit. And I never want to stop when I start. Because I've got tons more I could go with. I'm only on page three of my notes. And I've got page seven. <coughs> but the trouble is next week, I won't come to you with the other four pages. Why? Because the food's gone old. The food's gone stale. I've got to go and find something else. Are you ready to receive from what's being released? That's the easy part. Can you retain? Nimrod, when you go home, it's all about retaining what you've received and what's been released. Your weakness is in your retain, in your retaining. Young lady, what will you retain before you go home tonight? Will it go out the door and gone? By the time you get back to your house, will it go? Only you know. Retaining is the key issue. From his fullness, we have all received. The issue is not what we've received. The issue is what you retain. I know what I believed and I have kept. And I know he's able to keep me from falling. But Paul says, I've run the race. I kept it. Now there is a prize in store for me. And Paul could say that because he ran the race, he received the grace, he released the grace in his life, and he retained the grace over his life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So right now, you need to be asking the Holy Spirit, 
Help, I need the love of God in a greater dimension. Romans tells us about the love of God, the depth, the width, the height. No man can separate us from that height, depth, width, and love. But you need to know it. You need to receive it today. Release it tomorrow. Retain it today. That which I've received, I release. And that which I keep receiving, I retain. So right now, ask the Holy Spirit. Father, I want the love of, I want the love of God to go deeper. Come on, let's make this a prayer. Don't pray if you don't mean it. But if you do mean it and you're sincere, then pray it with me. No one's forcing you to pray it. Heavenly Father. Come on, say it like this. If you're going to pray it, pray it like this. Heavenly Father. I come on, let's say it like we're praying for it. No, Heavenly Father. If something's about to release, you better get ready to receive. Right, well then pray it like you're ready to receive. So... Dear Heavenly Father, I approach the throne of grace today with confidence that I will receive that which I need. I stand before you today as my Heavenly Father. Father, give me the opportunity to boast in my weakness. I ask for more grace. I receive more grace from your fullness. I receive more grace today by the power of the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the love of God, and the grace of my Lord Jesus Christ. And I will glory, and I will fellowship, and I say to my weak vessel, I will be strong in Jesus' name. Retain it, folks. Retain it. Doing all things that you need to do, retain it. And the God of our Lord Jesus Christ will be with you forever. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a standing ovation.